All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a little different this morning. I'm going to ask you for some help, if you would. You can help me out. If you just grab this connection card, be willing to. I know that you got one in your program. You have a pen. Go ahead and grab it. I'm going to ask you to help me out. Next Sunday, I'm going to begin a series. And in that series, I'm going to talk about heaven. For four weeks, we're going to talk about the reality of heaven. Now, I know that when I started talking about this in our staff and uh, other people started asking questions about heaven, well, all, everybody got all energized about this whole idea because people have a lot of questions about heaven. I know you do as well. So what I ask you to do, help me out, I want you to write your question you have about heaven. Any question you'd like me to answer about heaven in that series that you have that's been burning in your heart, you want to write this down, I'm going to do my best over those four weeks to answer most of those questions. I know there'll be a lot, can't get to everyone, but I'm going to do my best every week, just take some time out and ask, ask, answer some of the questions that you had. And I know one of them has to do with pets, okay? I already know the answer to that one. <laughs> I've got the answer. You're going to have to come back and get it, okay? I already got the answer about pets, so we got that. So you might want to write something down here, and you can help me out as we start that series in a couple of weeks. Okay, so millions and millions of people, no exaggeration here, are gathering together this weekend to celebrate the greatest event in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the greatest event in history. See, the problem, though, is that in our culture, we've reduced the greatest event in history to something we talk about once a year in church. We come, we listen, but if we're honest, just be honest today, some of us, I don't know if we can say we would believe what we're being asked to believe. Some of us, we don't buy what we're being asked to buy. Now, how do I know that? Well, here's how. I'll be real honest. I know that because some of you won't be back next week. Just be honest. Just be honest. Some of you won't be back next week. So we're not really buying the whole idea of the resurrection. Another way that I know that some of you just give resurrection, the resurrection lip service or a head nod, like, yep, the resurrection, yep, 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 that's why I'm here, the resurrection, is I know that you do that. It's because what happens is, is that instead of letting the resurrection change your heart, change your life, alter your priorities, cause you to come under submission to a higher authority, you're just not there. You're not there at that place. So the resurrection is just kind of like a nod or lip service in some way. And so what we've done is we've done is we've kind of over, overly romanticized the resurrection. If it's just for children, you know, it's just something for children, Back in my day, flannel graphs, you know, that kind of stuff, and his stories about the resurrection. Or we've overly minimized the death and resurrection of Jesus, and we've made it to be something that religious people talk about. The truth, though, is that the resurrection of Jesus really happened. Easter is a story about something that happened in a moment in history. So right in front today, I just want us to get everything clear. Get everything clear about this. There is nothing religious about Easter at all. Easter is about an event. On Easter, we're not here to celebrate a good teacher. On Easter, we're not to here to celebrate a philosophy or a worldview. We're not here to celebrate religion today. You see, Christianity was not birthed around the teachings of a leader, of a religious leader. 
Christianity was not birthed because people were looking for another answer to the questions of why do I exist and what's the purpose of life and why is there pain? Christianity was born the day a dead man came back to life. That's when Christianity was born. It was born in a day that something happened in history, on earth, in a city that you can go to today. That's when Christianity was born. So on Easter, we celebrate an event that actually happened. We believe that Jesus Christ actually came out of a tomb. He came out of that tomb. And see, as we choose to make that the basis of our reality, it's at that moment when we come alive and we wake up to this whole idea of what the resurrection event is for us. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about how the resurrection impacted the lives of those who experienced it on the first day. And then I'm going to talk about how the resurrection can impact our lives in our day. So if you haven't taken your message notes out, you can go ahead and do that. You can follow along. They say awake on the top. All the Bible verses I have will be here. You can use these to take notes. If you wanted to, you can doodle, draw pictures of me if you want. I don't care. So you can have this out. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 20, because I'll be looking at John chapter 20 quite a bit today as we talk about this reality. At the top of there, it has a verse that Pastor John read to us a few moments ago, 1 Peter 1.21. Peter writes, Through Christ you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God, because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. So what I want to do is I want to look about how the resurrection changes everything by looking at how it changed those who knew him best in that day. So we got to kind of set up the scene, got to tell the story a little bit here. It's Friday. Friday, Jesus and his disciples are out and about town. Judas comes up. Judas comes and plants a kiss on Jesus. At that moment, the Roman soldiers come and they take Jesus and arrest him. At that moment, everything starts going downhill for the disciples. Immediately, they look around. They say, hey, we better get out of here. We're going to be arrested too. And so they run, and they hide. They hide and leave Jesus alone at that moment. In the middle of the chaos that's going on, because Jesus is then taken to a court where he's going to go through several hearings and uh, trials during the night. In the middle of all the chaos, you can imagine how wild it is at this moment as they're you know, cheering and jeering against Jesus and his followers are on the side. What's going on? What's happening? Well, in the middle of that, some of them kind of snuck back in and they're sitting on the outskirts and they're watching and they're kind of seeing what's happening because they're in shock about what's going on. They're sitting there and they watch as he goes through his trials unbelievable what they're seeing is that they're one that they've been following is he's beaten he's flogged he's spit on he's ridiculed he's subjected to humiliation they watch as all this is happening and then they watch as he's pronounced guilty by Pilate and he's carried out and led out to carry his cross to his crucifixion and they look at that and they see that and they're, ama- they're just in shock as they continue to watch as he's carrying his cross and he's, he's stumbling and he's bleeding and he's in agony and he's not going to make it. They can tell they're watching from the sidelines and then he drops and then they grab someone, the Roman soldiers grab someone from the side and they pull him in and they ask him to carry the cross and he carries the cross and Jesus is stumbling all the way to Golgotha and they're just in disbelief. They can't believe what they're seeing. And they watch as Jesus is laid across the cross, and then they, they just in agony, they listen to every nail, hammer, as it nails his hand into his hand. In agony, every blow. 
and in his feet. And they watch as the cross is lifted up and slammed down and Jesus' body just shakes. And they're weeping. They can't, what's going on? What's happening? How can this be? And they looked as he was mocked, he was defiled, spit on. And they just can't believe what's going to happen next. He gave up his last breath. He didn't even bring himself off the cross, which he could have. He gasped. And they watched as the sword was thrust to his side and water came running out and they knew that he really was dead. And they're standing at the side, at the back of the crowd, and they watch then as Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they come and they take Jesus off the cross, and then they follow along as they take his body to the tomb where they're going to bury him, and they're still standing back because they can't believe what's happening. They're afraid someone's going to see them, that they would be arrested too, and the same thing would happen to them. They're watching horror. And disbelief as the Romans came, and then they rolled a big stone over the front of the tomb, and they stood guard there. And they're watching the whole thing from the sidelines. This is not the way the story's supposed to go. Jesus was the Messiah. He's the one we gave our lives for. He's the one who made promises. He's the one who said he was from God. How could he die a death of a common criminal? What have we given our lives to? Was this all a farce? What do we do now? We're afraid for our lives. And they leave. They don't know what to do. And they're cowering together in different corners throughout town. And then on Sunday, they hear rumors, rumors, rumors that the body is gone. And some folks say an angel appeared and said that he's been risen again. He's been raised from the dead. Others were afraid that the plan, that was a plan made by the Romans, that they took the body and they're trying to draw the disciples out of cover so that they could arrest them and that they could kill them as well. So on Sunday evening now, after the rumors and still in fear, Disciples are gathered in a room, and they're huddled together wondering, what's going to happen to us now? John kind of records their emotions, and he says, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. I think that's kind of an understatement, actually. (laughs) They were afraid. They were scared out of their minds. See, all this is happening. All this is happening before they believed in the resurrection event. In fact, you've got to know, the disciples didn't expect anything like this to happen at all. You don't find them. If they were expecting this, you don't find them on the third day going outside the tomb and waiting. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. Whoa, resurrection. You don't find them doing that at all. But they don't expect this to happen. If they did, they wouldn't have scattered If they did, they wouldn't have been huddled together in a room, hiding. But they had lost all hope. They were feeling discouraged, disappointed, disillusioned, full of doubt, and full of fear. Just five days earlier, Jesus had come into town with a palm branch parade, ready to be crowned king. And now, in one day, everything's been changed. Everything. One horrendous night. Their whole worlds are turned upside down. Many of us have had similar experiences. We've had the phone ring, and we picked up the phone. Everything seemed to be going okay, and it was a doctor just reminding us that we'd had a test. 
and he had the word that we weren't wanting to hear, and it was cancer. Or we pick up the phone, and it's a relative we've not talked to in a while, and they want to tell us that someone we love dearly has died. And we feel the kick in our gut at that moment. Or we've been hearing the rumors that they're pink slips. And we go into the office one day, and there's a letter in our box. Or we've been dealing with the creditors about our home and our loan and our mortgage, and we find the foreclosure notice. What do we feel when those things happen? Or we have the miscarriage for the pregnancy, for the baby that we've been longing for. Or we just end up in infertility then. We're told we'll never be able to have a child. Some of us have children who are off track. Some of us have loved ones who struggle with addictions, and we find out that they're in their addiction again. What happens when those moments come? See, we all experience similar feelings that the disciples had. One moment, life is going one way, and in a blink of an eye, things are changed, and it's different. And our hopes seem to be taken away, and honestly, we walk with a limp trying to make sense of the situation. But you think about these disciples, that Jesus is dead. And they're hunted down as criminals, fugitives, cowering in fear. But then, something happened. Something happened to change them and would change all of history. They were visited by the resurrected Jesus. He visited them. He came to them there in that upper room. Now, I'm going to read to you some verses from John chapter 20. They won't be on your message notes. They'll be on the screen. Tell us the whole story here. The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. I love this understatement here. <laughs> like they're cowering in fear, and there you know, Jesus is right in front of them. I don't think it would be like suddenly. It'd be like, holy cow. <laughs> There's Jesus right there. And then he says, because this was such a shock to them and because they were under so much stress and they were hopeless, his peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them his wounds and he showed them his side. And they were filled with what? Joy. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And he said it again. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Can you even begin to imagine what they felt? Hmm. Well, Ruth Dillow can. 20 years ago, Ruth Dillow gets a call. The phone rings. She picks it up. It's the Pentagon. Her son, private first class Clayton Carpenter, had been killed by a landmine. Instantly, she felt her breath be taken away. Her heart just stopped for a moment. She hangs the phone up in disbelief, can't even fathom what she's just been told. So she started to process, and they started to make plans for a service for their son, a memorial service, as they're trying to understand the grief and what happened. And then on the third day, the phone rings again. She picks up the phone. She says hello. And on the other end of the phone is the voice of her living son. Hi, Mom. I'm alive. <laughs> it turns out the Army had gotten the whole thing wrong. Her son had just been injured in a minor way, but he was alive. Can you imagine what she felt? Well, she wrote what she felt, and this is what she says. She says this, I laughed, I cried, 
I felt like turning cartwheels because my son, who I thought was dead, was really alive. I'm sure no one can understand how I felt. Well, I think I know some people who could. And it was some disciples in an upper room. Their hopes and their dreams had been crushed. And now they could be alive again because Jesus was alive. Their hopes could live again because Jesus was alive. Their encounter with the risen Jesus Christ changed their perspective on life and the world. And I believe that they literally walked out of that room doing cartwheels. So empowered by their look at the resurrection Jesus. And this is what it said, you know, later on, if you read the book of Acts, and I challenge you to do this sometime, and look about how many times that the disciples talked, they talked about the resurrection Jesus. And every time they spoke, and then other people would listen to that. In Acts 4, they actually had healed a man. And then this is the commentary about Acts 4, and I put there on your notes, Acts 4, 13 and 33. It says, the members of the council who watched this healing that had been done by the disciples... They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they were ordinary men. You might just underline that, ordinary men. God uses ordinary people with no special training. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Would you underline that, been with Jesus? I'm going to come back and refer to that later on in my talk. Been with Jesus. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was on them all. This is the same Peter, this is the same John, who had been cowering in fear in the upper room, who even Peter had denied Jesus, and suddenly all, they're courageous. Suddenly they have a new boldness. One minute they're defeated, the next minute they're dynamic. One minute they're having a pity party, the next minute they're out taking on the world. One minute they're crushed, and the next minute they are confident. They have a new confidence. So you have these people who were afraid for their lives, and they had gained this brand new confidence that was literally unshakable in the face of danger, death, opposition, and even martyrdom because of their encounter with the resurrection, resurrected Jesus. And they became bold, bold, bold spokespeople for the resurrection of Jesus because they'd had an encounter with the one who was alive. And they became transformed, they became confident, they became powerful, they became courageous followers of the resurrected Jesus for the rest of their lives. And they literally changed the world. Literally, because they believed. Okay, that's their story. What about us? What about us where we are today? What is the story of the resurrected Jesus? How does that matter to us? Well, it means this. It means that we can have confidence no matter what we face in the world. The resurrected Jesus means that I can have confidence no matter what I face in the world. It means that I can live without fear. It means that instead of living discouraged, disappointed, doubt-filled lives, that we can live with confidence. So what I'm going to do just in the short time we have left is I want to consider three ways that we can have confidence because of our choice to believe in the resurrected Jesus. We have to choose three ways that my choice to believe in the resurrected Jesus can give me confidence. The first is this. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, I can be confident of God's pardon. I can be confident of his pardon. I can know his forgiveness. I can have my guilt taken away. 
He can do for me what I could never do for myself. Romans 4.25. We looked at this actually a few weeks ago. Paul's writing, and he says this. Jesus was handed over to die. Notice that, die. He came to die because of our what? Because of our sins. So he came. His death was payment for our sins. So he came to pay the price we couldn't pay. And then it says this. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. So as he was resurrected, it was God's stamp of approval that our debt was paid in full, stamped, paid in full. And when we choose to place our belief and our faith in what the resurrected Jesus did for us, that we too can be forgiven. Our sins can be removed, that we can be clean, that we can be free from guilt. Peter writes about this, and he says, It is by his great mercy that we've been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. So the first benefit is that we can be forgiven, and that gives me confidence. And then the great expectation leads us to the second one, the second idea. And that is that we can have confidence, and we can be the resurrected Jesus gives us, make, helps us be confident of God's promises, the promises that he gives us. And what I decided to do today, so I, I think there's kind of two ways that we can look at the promises. And I want to I you know, use two examples to help us to realize how God's promises take care of all the issues, all the areas, whatever your issue, whatever your story may be, whatever it is that you're discouraged about, wherever you need hope, God's promises covers everything. Two promises. And the first is the promise that there's something more than what we see. The promise that there's something more than what we see. There's something more than my experience. There's something more than the pain that I would go through in this life. There's something more than the circumstances that have gone against me that I seem to be overwhelmed by. Jesus talks about that something more. He's talking to a woman by the name of Martha. They're actually literally standing outside the tomb in which Martha's brother, Lazarus, had been buried in. And this is what Jesus says to her. He says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will listen to that live, notice this phrase, even after dying. Revolutionary thought. New idea. That when you believe in me, he says, you will have life after you die. After you die. One of our greatest fears is death and what happens after death. And Jesus says, you can have life after death. This is the promise of heaven. This is the promise of existence that because of the resurrection, this life is not all there is. I have something more I can look forward to. I have something more that I can fix my gaze on. And it's not just my problem. It's not just my difficulties. It's the promise of heaven. And those who've chosen to place their belief or their faith in the risen Christ have a guarantee that this is their eternal destiny. Last Easter, my dad died. Last Easter Sunday. About two months ago, my wife's dad died. And so we have both stood beside open graves 
with caskets twice this year. My parents, my dad, Oklahoma, it's one of those days, the plains, the wind's blowing, just blowing through, and we're gathered beside this, out in the middle of nowhere, this grave and the casket beside there. Kim's dad. We were in Orlando, where they are from. Military funeral, totally different scene, totally different situation. Open grave, casket. And what both of us said, and what gave both of us hope, is that we knew without a doubt that our dads were not in those boxes. We knew where our dads were. We knew that because our dads had said yes to Jesus Christ, that they had moved beyond this existence to the promised existence of heaven. And folks, I got to tell you, that belief, it's not just a cotton candy belief. It's not pie in the sky. That belief can get you through much of the difficulty of life. That you know that there's a better place for you. Okay, that's the first one. Second promise has to do with, okay, what about today? Because we do get to go through difficulty today. We do get to go through things that aren't in our favor. We do get to go through times of pain today. So what about today? And God gives us a promise that even in difficulty, that we can live stable lives even when our foundations are being shaken. But these verses here from Hebrews chapter 6 that we had actually had reference to earlier in Andrea's dramatic reading. It says, We who have fled to God for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that is before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. So what he's saying is, he's saying is when we place our hope in the resurrected Jesus, that we can have confidence that no matter what we face, no matter how difficult life is, no matter how high the waves may be that are coming over us, that we can have confidence and we can stand firm. Today, I get to take the last dose of my medicine that I've been on for 24 weeks. 24 weeks. Last dose. 24 weeks for my treatment for my hepatitis C, and we're still praying for what God has in plan, what he has in mind. Now, I've had to rely on these verses a lot in the last 24 weeks. Uh, just the medications that I've been on, the way I verbalize it is, it's, it's chemically induced psychosis. That's how I verbalize it. My family would agree. <laughs> my staff, too. Add to that, it comes with this mixed bag of tremendous fatigue, depression, at times, overwhelming anxiety. And then the hardest thing for me is brain fog that just, I can't even think sometimes. Or remember what I was doing from one moment to the next. That even taking the medicine had to be regimented down so I didn't forget it. Well, this has been a faith journey, you got to know. But I've had to rely on God's promises, and especially this one, and I've had to rely and gotten to rely on God's people who've helped carry us through this season. But these verses didn't just become real for me in this season. These verses first became real to me in 1988. In 1988, my wife and I were in a car. She was killed in an accident that we were in, a head-on collision. That shock 
when the chaplain came into the hospital room to tell me that she had died. So here's kind of how I felt. Kind of felt like we'd been on a cruise. And it was a wonderful cruise. It was a great cruise ship, and we were happy, and we were headed for our destiny, whatever that destiny would happen to be. And a storm came, and I was close to the edge, and before you know it, I'd been thrown overboard. And the seas were raging, and I was trying to find my way, and I felt like I could barely breathe as the waves were coming over the top of me, and I was wondering how I was going to survive. And then I saw, I told a friend about this, how this is so meaningful to me. I saw a buoy, and that buoy had the name of Jesus on it. And what I knew is, is I had to make it to that, and I made it to that and hung on for dear life. Because that kind of loss, that kind of grief, you wonder sometimes if you're going to sink, you don't know if you can even swim, and you're tempted to drown your sorrows. You're tempted to hide, you're tempted to run. But I knew that the only hope I had was to hang on to Jesus. And you know what? It doesn't matter what we go through. We may have issues that are big, we may have issues that are little. The only hope we have is for you and me to hang on to the risen Jesus to know that he's with us. And that's really the third idea I want to talk about. The third idea that we can hang on to, that can give us confidence, is because of the resurrection, I can be confident in God's presence with me. That he is always with me, that I'm never alone. Remember, I had you note earlier about Peter and John that when it was talking about them, it said that they had confidence, and that confidence came because they had been with Jesus. They had been with him. It wasn't that they had changed their worldview. It wasn't that they adopted a new system of philosophy. It wasn't that they had had some spiritual guru come to them. It wasn't that they had become part of a new religion. It was that they had been with the risen Jesus. And that they'd seen him and they'd experienced him. And I just want you to know there is something supernatural that happens. I can't explain it. But I know, it's hap- I know it's true. I've seen it in my life and seen it in so many lives of others that I've helped along the way. And we've talked to, we've processed our spiritual journey. Is that we can literally be in the presence of God and when we're there in the presence of God with Jesus, we soak in his love and we know that Jesus is here. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He's always there. And everywhere I go, I have him with me, and I'm never alone, no matter what I face. Look at what Hebrews says. Or actually, before we get there, Matthew 28. Now, this is really cool. I had not seen this until this week when I was really studying this. Okay, just think about this. Jesus has died. Jesus has all hopes are crushed, all you know, dreams are gone. Jesus comes back, and now Jesus makes this statement. Imagine how much hope this gave them when he made this statement. He says this, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will always be with you, and the resurrection is proof that I'll always be with you. You can count on that. And then God says it himself in Hebrews 13. He says, he said this, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with what confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? So we can have forgiveness. We can have hope because of his promises. And you know what? Because of his presence, we can have security and we can know a love that never ends. The love that many of us are looking for. So what's a response? I just want to give you one word, a one-word response today. 
and that is believe. I wouldn't ask for anything else. Believe. That you would believe in the resurrected Jesus and what he makes available for you. One of the most famous verses in the Bible and actually in our culture is John 3, 16. It's on your notes. I was actually going to read it, and then I remembered a video I'd seen earlier this year of some kids reading John 3, 16, and they do a much better job than I can, so let's watch this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, the whole world, everyone, anyone, that a lot of people, that he gave his one and only son, his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh. That's the same moment you can have. You say yes to him. Wow. Eternal life. Promise of something better than today. Promise of acceptance by God. Promise of his presence with me wherever I go and whatever happens. Because Easter was based on an event that happened in history the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? I just want to give you an opportunity today to make that faith statement, that response, that word I believe. Today to say that you would believe in the resurrected Jesus and what he made possible for you. I'm going to ask today that if you've never done this before, that you would be willing today to transfer your trust, whatever it is that you're trusting in, whatever it is that you've been adhering to, whatever it is that you've been believing, that you would transfer your trust today to the resurrected Jesus. He's not asking you to join a religion. He's not asking you today to change your worldview not asking you to find a new teacher. He's asking you to believe in him as the resurrected one. And if you want to do that, you can pray with me something like this. Say, Jesus, as much as I understand this today, I choose to believe in you. And Jesus, I know that I got to tell you, I've done wrong I can't deny that. I've sinned. And I just want today to appropriate in my life the gift of freedom, forgiveness, because you died for me. I want to be forgiven, Jesus. And Jesus, today what I tell you is I'm going to walk with you the best I can. Show me how. Help me to know. Help me to adopt a biblical worldview into my life. Help me to learn what it's like to be in your presence all the time. 
And God, I pray for all of us as we walk through difficulties today, even right now, that you would give us confidence that we would trust in you. No matter what we see, we trust in what you say. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.